0: And then what comes on top of that is fear, like deep fear, like will my memory function, come back, come back. And it was, it was, it was terrifying. It was really, really terrifying. And the curiosity just sent me on what has become and led to my purpose. And this most weird and wonderful journey of kind of discovering what's out there there in terms of how I could, I guess, heal myself, is no more than five weeks ago, and it's just resonated with me massively, which is you don't have to follow any rules. And I've just been following all these rules, and
1: they're bullshit. (laughs) There are no rules. Welcome to Vulnerable, the Founders Mental Health Podcast, powered by Founders Taboo. I'm your host, James Roycroft-Davis, and I'm going to sit down with founders and investors from all over the startup ecosystem to get vulnerable so we can finally break down the stigma attached to talking about your mental health as a founder. Whilst I've got your attention, this podcast does not grow without our amazing listeners subscribing to it. So please press the subscribe button now. It takes five seconds and I promise you, we will not disappoint with what's coming up next. Alex Strang, founder of The Moment Company, a unique mental wellbeing startup which is completely centered around people taking a moment to recalibrate, to recenter, to take a breath. How? Well, he and his team have created a pebble. A pebble which you can hold in your hand which takes you through a scientifically proven breathing sequence that enables you to take a moment for complete mindful bliss anywhere in the world. But Alex's story is really, obviously, the reason why we're recording. It's a story of panic attacks, depression, a story of lost connections and purpose from his last startup to exploring his mental health, which led then him to build The Moment Company. He's also one of the nicest guys you'll ever, ever meet and somebody who I have mad respect for with what he's creating with The Moment Company. So, welcome to Vulnerable with the brilliant Alex Strang. Alex Strang, welcome. For the first episode of the podcast, I'm absolutely, we just took a moment actually and we'll get on to the moment in a bit, but I think it would be absolutely befitting of a Founders Mental Health Podcast to start with a moment
0: and actually do that. Yeah, 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 definitely. Well, thank you for having me on here. Um, It's very exciting. Um, I think I mentioned when I came in, this is my first sort of face-to-face, sort of live podcast recording rather Mm. than virtual. And... With that there's a, li- a little bit of nervousness and um, I think the moment will be it's a great way for me just to drop into the moment for mm. both of us and um, yeah so shall I
1: shall I lead us off and let's do it I need to turn on my pebble first you do so three you taps tap that three times one two three there we go and, and it, as the light increases yeah. you breathe
0: in two, three four five. and out. <sighs> And in and out. And in
1: and out. Yeah, really nice.
0: So that is the first sort of moment sequence, which is um a about a thirty second window of time. Um in the pebble or that breath that we're doing is called a cardiac coherence breath. It's five seconds in and five seconds out. Mm. And if you um, attach yourself to either a heart rate monitor or either a brain scanning monitor, what you can start to see is that within 30 seconds, we start to shift from our kind of stress state, our sympathetic part of our nervous system towards our parasympathetic and our Mm -hmm. calm side. And that's what we're aiming to do at the moment, company and with the Pebble is create these small interventions that help us shift mindset and body state. Right. In the
1: <clears throat> Interesting. Fascinating. Um, for anybody listening, and they were like, "What the fuck did they just do?" <laughs> Alex is the founder of Moment Company, which, in fact, I'm going to let you describe your own business. I'm not even going to try. Sure, sure.
0: So. Moment Company um, was set up, I'll I'll give it a little bit of a history for context, but Moment Company um, was set up from the needs of of the three co-founders. And for me specifically, um, and we'll get into my story a a bit more, I I Mm. understand. um, I hope. Was this need uh, to essentially relieve the buildup of pressure or stress within the mind and body during the busy workday. And out of the back of that, this idea for a physical device that wasn't a screen, uh, something that you could carry with you, something that you could, it was tangible, you could you could have it in your pocket, so you didn't necessarily have to look at it, kind of a companion for your mental well-being came up, and we developed the Moment Pebble. Mm. Um, but what we realized quite quickly after creating the Pebble was that it wasn't really about the pebble at all. It was about the moment and that we weren't a pebble company. We were a moment company. And what was really important was helping people find ways to create these short breaks during the busy day where you can step back, you disengage from whatever it is you're doing just for a short while. You can achieve a mindset shift, you can achieve a change within physiologically within your body that allows you to then re-engage with your day in a calmer and more thoughtful way. And that's what the Moment Company is all about. And we can open these moment windows uh, with the use of the pebble. We have breathing exercises. We do all kinds of things at Moment Company that that essentially make short form breathwork and short-form mindfulness accessible.
1: Mm. Nice. Um, One thing I'm always fascinated about with entrepreneurs is whether there are any characteristics that run through them as they've grown up. Was there anything that stood out to you? Because this is your second company, right? So you're not normal. In a nice way. <laughs> yeah. But we aren't. Yeah, no. And this is part of the part of the reason, part of the point, that I, the wider point about this podcast is it's okay not to be normal. But what, what were the characteristics growing up? So,
0: I mean, it's, it's an interesting question because I don't think I've ever been asked that. And mostly because I don't actually think of myself as an entrepreneur in the sense that I have friends who kind of are, but I don't think of myself as that typical, you know, break the mold, create, create something sort of new that never has been created. That that kind of never has been my my drive is never to be and has never to have been an entrepreneur. Mm. I feel like I've sort of ended up doing it because everything else I was doing was falling short to my expectations of what work life should be like and falling short to delivering things that were, I guess, meaningful that I've learned later in life, I was actually seeking to improve things generally. Mm. And I guess a really big picture version of that is kind of trying to leave this world in a slightly better way than when I came into it. Mm. Um, but it's never been so much, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I just couldn't within the structures of employment, have as nice a time as I wanted to, which yep. is one thing boils down to I just wanna have I wanna have a really nice time. <laughs> and secondly I wanna do something that matters and that helps people. And that's not to say you can't find that in employment, but I just in my career path had never quite landed that and so twice, this is the second time round, um, have pursued it for those reasons. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of
1: It does. I I know a lot of some entrepreneurs are like, I was destined to be an entrepreneur. Some are, I fell into it, but I suppose there are people around us that shape us to having that kind of fearlessness, Um, which I think a lot of founders struggle with is having the self-confidence to actually go and be a creator. Because most entrepreneurs, whether you're an engineer, developer, designer, you're in sales you're like me who doesn't know what the fuck he does um we are creators but that comes with its own challenges did you ever think that fuck I'm just strongly fit in or
0: I definitely don't feel I fit into I guess kind of the sort of mainstream Western ways of working, the ethos behind mm. that doesn't work for me. But I think just to reflect a bit on being an entrepreneur, like, in a lot of ways, I prefer just to have a job. <laughs> it's way easier. Me yeah. too, me like, too. I mean, get up, all the structures are around you, you go in, you know, da 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 stuff, and then you go into entrepreneurial world, and it's, you know, all the balls stop with you, certainly at early stage startup. Yep. Um, and all the balls are important. And what comes with that is pressure. And, you know, in, in my first business led to not not a great outcome for me, which, which uh, for, for my mind and my body ultimately, uh, which led to the second business. But I guess the difference is that I'm more... <laughs> it's In some ways, it's levels of how comfortable I am with the uncomfortableness and being in a trapped in this is what it felt like being trapped in a system that was so not aligned with, I guess, my values and how I feel things should be and people should be treated was is much worse than everything that comes with being a founder. Um, so there's kind of it's it, in some ways and, and I've gone back and forth and so and, and every time I've gone back into the kind of employed world, I've found that the balance was was wrong and then have moved back into finding, and and when the when the movement's going, there's nothing more exciting than creating and to make change, positive change and people tell you that you're making their life better. I mean for me that's that's everything.
1: Values. Mm -hmm. What are your
0: values? Openness. Freedom. Freedom is probably my primary value. It's my sort of primary value and what I strive towards every day across the board, be it time, financially, space for my mind. Everything for me at the very top is freedom and underneath it's probably then openness, playfulness, fun. Um, and at, at that level, there are a few other things, family, social connections. And I'm realizing lately that I know it was always important, but it's become much more conscious is this sort of value of community and, and that support that I get from, from the people around me that aren't necessarily just my family.
1: That's really interesting. And how has divergence away from your values impacted your mental health?
0: I'd say it's, it's, in the context that I have lived, I'm sort of fortunate. I live in a in a in a nice place. I haven't really had to suffer in 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 the sense that a lot of people do around the world. When my values are out of alignment with my environment, that is the most Sort of pain and discomfort that that I can that I can feel, I feel trapped in mm. in the sense of quite a primal trapped feeling, um, and a sense of injustice as well. Um, so that's that's probably it, it's it's very very uncomfortable.
1: How do you deal with that uncomfortability? Because I would argue that <clears throat> it's one of the biggest reasons why people suffer um, and they don't know why they're suffering Yeah, is this movement away from what feels right or what they truly believe is important to them. And it's why a lot of us seek to become a founder, to become an entrepreneur is because there is a mental health or a uncomfortability with not doing what they think is right? Yeah, I think,
0: you know, the minute you stray from what you, in your core, if we think about gut, mm. how how you, it's not a question, You you know, we just don't, I believe we don't listen to it enough. And the minute you're straying from that, central knowing you're going to be uncomfortable. And the more you stray, the more out of place you're going to feel. And the danger I feel is that you feel out of place within yourself, but mm. often it's your environment, not you is <laughs> in, is a mismatch rather than you're not wrong. You're just not in the right environment to support who you are and how you thrive. Um, and how, to, how have I dealt with that in the past? Um, previously I've fought against it. I've 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 tried to change systems um, that I've been in, and only since I've been out of out of them. So one was a, a previous job that I was in. Only since I've been out have I realized. At the time, I thought I'm not necessarily I'm right and you're wrong, but how can you not see that it would be so much better if we did it this way? And, and I've tried to show so many times, but why aren't you adopting it? <laughs> And the truth is that because the value systems were so different, they weren't, neither one was wrong. They they were just completely incompatible. And it was wrong for me. And so how previously when sort of fighting those systems, I think there are times when you can let your values to create something. Sometimes you might have to not give them up, but shift and see another perspective. But if you're in an environment where you feel that your values are clashing, my suggestion is it's way too much effort and the likelihood of success is very low to try and change the value system of an environment. It's better to either create your own or find a, find an environment that, that supports yours so you can thrive and so you can put all your energy into creating rather than trying to change a system. That would mm. be my...
1: my um my fantastic colleague built your notes mm-hmm. on this episode and I had no idea the kind of pain that uncomfortability has caused you. Clearly. Um, I want to take you back to six years ago mm-hmm. because you have a very personal experience of living with, uh, li- as a founder with mental health and an issue that, was causing you immense pain, right? And ultimately led to you burning out, etc., cetera, et cetera. Um, talk about what happened six years ago. So
0: I uh, was kind of my career had started to felt like move. I, I was just coming sort of out of, I guess, you know, finding my feet a little bit. And clearly I was still very green. But um, had um, was finding my feet, and I set up a consultancy to use these skills that I'd learned to help um, agencies deliver digital products better. And
1: that was native i right.
0: Um, that was pre native Eye. So right, that okay. was that was um, it was a it was I was a sole trader, and I was helping um, digital agencies transform how they how they um, delivered projects. So it was this big shift from old school waterfall over to agile and scrum. Mm-hmm methodologies, which I'd understood and, and believed in. It was a system I really believed in, the values of all of it really aligned. And I thought, this is great. Got my first gig and that was awesome and got some more gigs off the back of that and this was moving. And then Native Eye was an idea, a tech uh, product that I started up um, with my then co-founder. And I thought, brilliant, I've got this Consultant yet just getting off the ground I've got this tech startup I've got tech startup dreams in my in the headlights you know like we'll build it quickly exit, cash, holidays skiing <laughs> this is going to be the oh, life yeah. and I mean, for a few years it was really good like they were both moving one was kind of funding the life my life, well the other one we were getting the tech built and off the ground but it was all kind of too much. And, and, you know, I was younger then, and I was living, you know, admittedly living a, a lifestyle that didn't have enough sleep in it as well. Um, probably not eating as well as I should have and, and probably drinking too much that I should have as well. Um, but really, it was this overload, massive overload of, of what I would call, like sort of work inputs, just like, two, two entities that just had this sprawling, never ending needs. And I was just pouring myself into them. Mm. Um, not building up myself outside of them. Almost. De- I was depleting myself across the board, but kind of living in, and, and it was good for some time. And then there was a point where it suddenly was not good. Talking about that. It was a. It literally that switch happened in a moment. i I'll never. I was sitting in an office uh, in in Soho and sitting at this desk and something. It felt like a kind of sort of a snap, sort of something in my kind of like forehead area, like my frontal lobe. Something. I knew something had changed. I didn't know what it was and what had happened, but I was a bit like ooh, something's odd has happened here. Felt a bit kind of, it reminded me a bit, I used to get migraines. It reminded me a bit of the start of a migraine. I had like funny sensations on my skin a little bit, like I knew something had, had kind of happened. And I went into a meeting straight after that, and I, and I sat in this meeting with about five other people, and I had notes, I've always kind of taken notes. Went through the meeting, feeling a bit odd, wrote the notes. Um, came out of the meeting, and it was a bit like... I'm not sure what that was about. And looked at my notes and sort of read them, and I knew I'd written them, but I was, they just didn't. I couldn't piece the pieces together. Like it's a hard one to explain. And that I was, I I was there, and I was co- fully conscious and everything, but just couldn't piece together the content. And what I realized shortly afterwards, to fast forward a little tiny bit, is that my ability to retain information had been diminished greatly. And I just wasn't taking things in. And the secondary thing that came, or I noticed a week later was recall. So recall of things that I knew I knew. So they might be words that I learned when I was, I don't know, four three, like, you know, words that are so deeply ingrained mm-hmm. that you just, and I just couldn't pull them up and out. Like I, I'd often have a sense of the shape of the le- first letter of the word, but couldn't get it out. And so basically, the, and then what comes on top of that is fear, like deep fear, like will my memory function, come back, come back. Um, and it was, it was, is it, was, it was, it was terrifying. It was really, really terrifying. And.
1: I can tell you find it difficult to talk about now. Yeah, right?
0: there's, yeah. I mean, I sort of don't really know where to go. Like at that point, I kind of, I stopped here because I kind of was at a sort of
1: like. Really? What now? Really? <laughs> yeah. And had you told anybody at that point? Like, you told anybody the symptoms? Uh, my mum. Really? Yeah. What did she say? Uh,
0: I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs>
1: really? Wow. <laughs> Just a blur.
0: No idea. I have no idea. Um, but I knew that I had someone in support of whatever was going to happen next. Mm. So I can tell you how I felt, but I have no idea what mm. she said at, the, at, at, at that time. Um and I, and it would have been around.
1: Same would, as me actually when I was suicidal. Yeah. I remember I well, actually I do remember um when I sat down with Abby after my my fiance. After my last um after well pods now thinking slimmer didn't go the way I wanted to go. I had to step back. Uh, that business is doing great things now million ARR that kind of stuff but I built it with my mum and it was just never do that anyway <laughs> yeah. I t- sat down on the sofa and I was just like baw- bawling my eyes out didn't want to be there don't know really the only thing I can remember from the conversations having told Abby and told my mum about how I was feeling was I just kept saying I don't know who I am anymore mm. and that was that Wow. It's all I can remember, and I can barely remember day to day like you. Uh, there's there's another memory which was like trying to go to the doctor, but I just couldn't at the time. Don't know why, but it, it's fucked. Mm. <laughs> really fucked. And when you talk about it, how, where do you kind um, of? I get feel I, I get feeling in my chest. Uh, I it's kind of a gut feeling because I know it, I know how painful it was. That was the most painful thing that's ever happened to me. And I've like, and it was all around my brain, my mind. I felt like I lost my mind. Right. Yeah. And a bit like you, it was kind of clinical depression, anxiety mixed into one with a feeling of utter hopelessness because what I've, consequently found having explored my mental health is this utter need this real need to have a purpose mm-hmm. have a why mm-hmm. I'm I'm, I'm we' ve- like we're all very driven on you cannot do this job if you have not got the self-drive to get up early every day or get up late because you've gone to bed and done an all-nighter and keep going and doing it again again and again but it's fucking hard work
0: yeah and i guess if i reflect on you need to i don't know whether these words will sort of sit with you or to the listeners but in one way or another you need to be kind to yourself if you do if you do want to push that hard you need to rest yes if you do like whatever, there there are always balances in this world. The one thing I, the one thing in the, kind of this life that's made sense to me from the earliest I can remember was early maths when I was shown the the natural curve that everything has a sort of beginning, a raise, a peak, and then it goes off and tails off, and it's in sort of you know the cycle of life, wherever. And I just remember seeing them everywhere, and that anything you do will have a balanced side to it and it's fine to push, it's fine to do, and we can and we can sustain unbelievable amounts, but we can't sustain forever. And I think just starting to be aware, if you are pushing really hard and you're listening to this, check in with yourself, ask that question. How are you right now? Do you, do you need to rest? And if you don't, that's cool, but at least ask that question. I would That's my kind of... <laughs> thing to any entrepreneurs really punching it now just ask yourself if you need to rest and if part of you says yes my advice would be to listen to that
1: we talked about values earlier and one of my values is always be curious and I actually think you probably subscribe to that value set as well because I'm looking through your story here mm-hmm. and the big thing for me that stands out is you said I became really interested in what happened to me and how I could stop it happening again mm-hmm that that curiosity yeah. d- drives most of us. Yeah. Um, what did you learn? Other than rest? What did you learn about who Alex Strang is? Yeah, I think the
0: the curiosity in some ways and as a singular thing was probably my saving grace as in it was the path out. Mine too. So I, I have to say I was for, fortunate in some ways that I wasn't, I didn't there wasn't a sort of, as far as I know, actually, <laughs> there wasn't kind of a, a, a depressive na- nature to it. There was anxiety and deep fear, like deep, deep fear, which was compounding and was making, I learned later, the, mem- the memory mm. situation worse. Mm. These, the fear was driving thought loops, which was making mm. the memory worse and suppressing my ability to
1: improve mm. it. Sorry to interrupt, can I mm. ask what the fear was?
0: I'm just, for listeners, just sort of checking back in a little bit. Um,
1: Alex, this guy's eyes closed. It was about, in
0: some ways, you know, knowing that my mind is kind of the way out, but it not working. And so not being able to get out is a theme of trapped coming back in here, but trapped in my own mind. Mm. <laughs> and so I'd say it was, it was that. It was this sort of being aware that I was caught in a loop that was keeping me where I was and just not knowing how to get out. Um, but that curiosity was, yeah. And, 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 and what happened, I put everything down. Like I was fortunate to be able to kind of put everything down, most within I sort of wound things down within a week or two weeks, to to a sort of just, I still needed to earn, but I was not near the level I was at, and the curiosity just sent me on what has become and led to my purpose and this most weird and wonderful journey of kind of discovering what's out there in terms of how i could i guess heal myself as words that come up um i lost I you so my mum has always been open to alternative therapies and things like that and i had always been a bit like eh, that's That's mum's mumbo-jumbo stuff, and it's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing what an experience like that will do to you when you're suddenly like, open the door, bring me all your mumbo-jumbo. I am open, and I really did try. I I went from curiosity, I went down the mainstream, more mainstream routes, like within the NHS, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and things like that, through to things like Neuralink, which is about uh, where they use to check where neural pathways have been um, sort of damaged and they repair them, um, through to early explorations into what was early meditation and mindfulness to me, which at the time was just like pff, not my bag. I remember I used to swim quite a lot. Lane swimming in the pools. And I remember I was doing a type of swim, uh, type of training. And I chatted to this chap in the pool, and he's like, Oh, that training, that's a meditative training, isn't it? And I was like, What? No. (laughs) No, it's not. And I reflected on this the other day that I had such an aversion even to it and to whatever it was, the stigma that was around it or whatever, it wasn't kind of for me. And it just opened the doors. And the minute I went in and found whatever was the start of that world, which is ultimately metacognition, thinking about thinking, just blew my mind open in a very positive way. And that's that's what opened these doors. But that was, yeah, as you say, that curiosity was kind of like... it. The curiosity lit a fire of action. It sort of showed a bit of a path. And it was like, well who can you speak to and who's going to, who's going to help. And if, if you're, if you're completely open to anything working and people often ask what worked and I, and I can tell certain things I know for sure helped more than others, but ultimately it was just this combination of being out there and experiencing all this different stuff. And I've, I've also become a believer of whatever works rather than this thing does work. This thing doesn't for certain people. Some things work, some things don't. So I'm a very much a whatever works kind of guy. Like, try it. If it works for you, amazing.
1: I'm very much on that. For me, what works is very long walks and time away from my phone in particular. Mm-hmm. And when I become very anxious, I scroll. Mm-hmm. Doom scroll. And so actually I end up turning my phone off over weekends and just uh, and starting to talk about it talk about the anxiety Mm -hmm. because anxiety for me is mostly about money in the business Mm -hmm. in Luna. Like, yeah, we've raised a pre-seed, but every single penny that goes out of the bank account, and I hope my investors are listening to this, probably (laughs) won't, but um, (laughs) uh, it it gives, it breeds like, oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) We're one step closer to zero. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, and we're pre-revenue right now. Like with software, it's 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 hard. They say getting getting MVP out, and and we haven't chosen to take take that route yet. Like we've we've gone the unconventional way of choosing different types of MVPs. So what I mean by that is we identified very early, my co-founder and I, Andy, that um, dog trainers are very Mm tech-cautious. And um, this is a very long-winded way of actually asking what thinking about thinking, but I just... I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so they're very tech-cautious, so we realize we only have one shot. Mm -hmm. But the problem is... By realising we only have one shot and we can't just be like, right, release any old shit product and just break it and it'd be fine. Like the, the classic MVP V1 story, like mm-hmm. just iterate and build. Well, we're doing that now, but we're doing it in a very closed way because we know that once we can actually release a full, full product, the market's there for the taking. Anyway, but the, what what that breeds is um, convention, conventional pressure. For entrepreneurs, I see it a lot and founders is this kind of like, this isn't what I I should be doing, but it's right for the market. And then you've got this clash and that you have to, I, I think is about the way out of that. Like you said, is thinking about thinking, because when you said that, it was like a light bulb in my head. I was like, yeah, that's, that's literally what I do. Can you explain what thinking, through your curiosity, metacognition, thinking about thinking means to you?
0: Yeah, the, the shortest way I can say it is being curious about your thoughts. Um, I love that. I, you know, I, I can't, might be an Eckhart Tolle, I listen and read a lot of stuff in this space.
1: I haven't I haven't actually read him yet. It's it's I really sort of,
0: do. you you have to be you have to sort of drink quite a bit of this Kool-Aid to be ready for him, but if you are it's, it's really good stuff. Um but ultimately what he talks about is um when you are observing your thoughts. You Ultimately, are you are you and you are observing your thoughts, so you are not your thoughts. And it's, I think, previous to this understanding and then curious curiosity about my thoughts, every thought was me and I was every thought, and so, and because our thoughts change and jump around all the time, our nervous systems and our emotions jump. All the time as well, and so your emotions and your thoughts are obviously connected. And if you can create a break between that, and so moments are are a tool ultimately to create space where, if you breathe, you calm down, you can notice your thoughts, your thoughts which may come in, and you know. Um, The monkey mind is a nice, I like the monkey mind name for it, where the brain's spinning and whatnot. If you can create space and you can observe that thought, you can be curious about it, it doesn't then have the chance to deeply connect into your nervous system and into your emotions and then trigger an emotion, which then comes back up and triggers more thoughts and then back down to emotion and into that loop. And so this idea of metacognition really is being able to observe the thoughts as thoughts and not just... Feel them as being you.
1: I had that with my la- with um, well pods uh, post me le- walking away. I had this psychotic voice in my head saying, you're not just you're just not good enough. Mm. And it wasn't my voice. But it was there. Interesting. I didn't realise it wasn't my voice. constant you're just not good enough
0: did you ever figure out whose voice it was
1: no no i really tried with my therapist and i went to see see a hypnotherapist and I, Interesting. Yeah. yeah um and um i'm a massive massive believer in hypnotherapy um but i saw simon and we we did a lot of work on this voice and the biggest learning from that voice was that it's not mine. Yeah. And actually it was being able to separate my thoughts and view them as clouds. I mean, this sounds very like meta right now, but it really is. Um, that's, that is really the way you can tap into it is actually reframe the thoughts you're having. And I was having them around the business, around, around fundraising, around like, fuck, we're never going to do this. I'm just not good enough. Um, and viewing them as just thoughts. And once I could separate, and it took time. Like, that, that's the, I think that's where people get stuck. They don't give, they don't put the work in. They don't take responsibility for that. And yeah, it, was, um, it changed my life, being able to now... I practice every single day. Not not conventional mind mindfulness, but I do a lot of my best. I wouldn't say work, but my best thinking. A in the shower, so I have my moment in the shower. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, B in the steam room, mm-hmm. so I do that every day, um, and I try to do it on my own. But um, Abby's a lot of time comes with me because she likes it. But anyway, a- and then number three on my dog walks. And I try as much as possible to separate my time, sorry, my phone from those, from those moments. I absolutely love that. What you've hit on there is, what's well, this
0: idea of dispositional mindfulness? We're predisposed to be mindful. Most people are mindful at some point every time throughout their day. It could be, it could be some I, people garden. Some daydream. People, Date, exactly the, the, sh- the shower state mom- of trance the right? shower moment is the most naturally occurring mm. moment of the version that we try and help people to create you've got limited distraction you've got something simple that you're doing with your with your hands that keeps your mind mm. from completely wandering because mm. it's not just empty space
1: it's a very sensory activity showering yeah very sensory
0: but it just allows the perfect conditions for thoughts to come up yes and through yeah um, but can't stress enough this idea that people feel or there is a perception that I will need to go and learn mindfulness and then I will do it. If we didn't actually do it naturally, we'd all go bonkers. Mm. Um, we are you, we are doing it and also really important what you said is that it, it doesn't happen overnight in terms of uh, deep practice but in time what I have found is that in a, in, a, in a very calm situation, I can be mindful quite easily. And as situations escalate, it becomes more tricky to be mindful in those situations. But with more practice, you can be more mindful at more escalated um, situations. And that's what I kind of aim for with my practice is actually ultimately to be in, I don't know, some sort of crazy stressful environment and be able to call on it, breathe, drop in, and you sort of see perspective for what it is. Because when we get stressed like that, our vision narrows, Mm. we close down, our muscles tighten, and we just can't give a response that serves us best. Whereas Mm. if we can create that space, we can. And that's where the practice, that's where having reminders helps. That's where putting it into routine helps, little bits every day, you know, the shower, boiling the kettle, making a cup of tea. That's a perfect, perfect moment. It's a short window. you could. Breathe in it. You could look out the window. You could, you know, just do something where you're not scrolling.
1: Mm. Um, it's really interesting because founders, entrepreneurs, are also investors. We're going to have a few big investors on on this podcast because we That's really cool. want to break down the stigma attached to founder mental health. Because one in two of us struggle, which is a crazy stat. There's so much fucking work to do in this space as well. And, um, the reminders, mm-hmm. um, I wrote about this the other week, sorry, last week on LinkedIn. Um, because I work with a coach, Alexi Petalis, mm-hmm. who is brilliant. Um, and we do a lot of self-reflection around the business, around what, what, th- how things feel. Um, and, um, one thing we were talking about is how living in these heightened moments, which actually being a founder and an entrepreneur, like you're constantly in a state of anxiety, whether it's low level or heightened. Um, And
0: because of risk, right? because
1: of risk you are taking enormous risk. Most of the time Um, you have enormous responsibility.
0: And your heart's in it as and well. And your heart's
1: in it. You've, you're passionate. You've got this vision. Yeah. You just, you want to do it. It's your life's work. You feel every single fucking moment. This yeah. is what I need to do. Um, and, <laughs> and nature being a founder is you bring people with you. Yeah. Um, and that's how you're successful. You build this movement around what you're doing. And and you're so passionate. Anyway, but you're. so I think you're constantly in this state of some level of anxiety. And it was only really recently, I became very curious about the triggers mm-hmm. for that. And I found working with Alexi recently, that in the conversations that there are triggers that put me into survival mode in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like you described, I become very narrow. like my I'm very there's literally nothing anybody can say in the moment when I'm in that space. That will change what I need to think about. Even Abby, like she's like, What do you want for dinner? I like, doesn't go in. Yeah. She's like, fuck. She looks at me, she's like, How can you live like this? And the, the fact of the matter is you can't. Yeah. Because what happens is what's happened to you and me and and thousands of other others out there. But what Alexi and I worked on was what actually breeds positive, a positive anxious reaction. Mm -hmm. So it's all about energy for me. Mm -hmm. I'm very high energy, um, but I often, when I go into survival mode, I'm going to very low energy. I have these real crashes. I feel like I'm bipolar, um, and I actually haven't been diagnosed with any sort of bipolar, but I've seen kind of tendencies that I have. Mm -hmm. But we now, we tapped into, we really went back into those moments where I go into survival mode. And the one kind of phrase that I always used to say to myself was, what can I do now after the moment that I have, Mm -hmm. and I, I, this is why your, your company called the moment company is so brilliant. Um, because it is that moment when you're in that moment of like, this isn't going well, and we have them 10 times a day as founders. You be- I become very anxious and actually it's only until I can move away from that state, which for me is that triggering phrase, what can I do now? Mm-hmm. That gives me positive energy and I'm like, right, the world is my fucking oyster. Here we go. Here we go. That's not healthy though. Um, why not? Why? Because I feel like I'm always up and down.
0: Oh, I see. The, the process Correct. is unhealthy. Exactly. Rather than the, the,
1: no, no, no. Yeah. The, the, the positive, sorry, the positive... Giving me the positive energy to keep going is healthy, because I don't. I now tend to not stay very long in that kind of survival mode, but I go into a well that like negative survival mode. But I now go into quite a positive one, which is right. I get really hyped. Yeah. Ever. And so now I've written it on my whiteboard next to my desk. Nice. Constant reminder: What can I do now? What can we do now?
0: Yeah, I think you hit on something super important, which is just triggers and that there are negative triggers and there are positive triggers. And with negative ones, the first thing is, and, and the tricky thing is to become aware of them. But if you if you start to notice or ask yourself just before I felt this way, what, what was happening, you'll start to become aware of them. Positive ones um, are about creating positive habit loops. So we're kind of looking at breaking negative habit loops and creating positive ones. And writing on the board, the pebble, things like that are external triggers, which are super important because at the start, it's really hard to do it from within the mind, which is where the problem is occurring. But with repetition, with deeper habit, with that being written, you're writing new neural pathways. And this is what's really exciting to me is that it's not about you having that written above your board forever, and you know you need to paint it on every 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 house you <laughs> obviously go. But that these new neural pathways are being created, and and the minute we become aware and we create a new trigger, we mm. are reprogramming our minds. And so that's I just want to leap off where you say that the that I I understand the process potentially not being healthy in its current state, but. Every time you look at that, you're mm. improving yeah. your your baseline.
1: Yeah, I can see that,
0: and that is, I, th- I think that's the most wonderful, amazing, powerful thing that we all have to create that change in our in our minds.
1: Mm. Mm. Um, I want to talk about the business for mm. for, a, for a bit because um, whilst this podcast is, I what I think this podcast is the first m- podcast dedicated solely to founder entrepreneurship mental health, Mm -hmm. I believe. Not quite sure, but anyway, I'll claim it. Um, What are the biggest challenges that you as a business have? So
0: there's kind of been a meta challenge, I guess, which is big, (laughs) which has been around where we fit. Uh, We sit in kind of an existing large category of, I guess, mental well-being slash mindfulness meditation, which has largely been trailblazed by the likes of Headspace and Calm, who have done such an incredible job of bringing um, these practices, which are anchored, you know, the stuff we're doing has been around for thousands of years. It's not new. We've brought it Together in a new form factor, and a new way that is intentionally accessible for people during a busy work day. That's kind of our mm. thing. However, we're in a subcategory which we have found in some ways we are part of a smaller group that are still creating. Um, one is around this kind of a modern physical device. Now, there are old, there are You've got worry beads, you've got all kinds of things that people use in different cultures that, again, act as a physical anchor, have meaning built into them, so on. But in this space, we're still relatively new with the physical side. And then short-form mindfulness uh, moments uh, and short-form breath work, again, is still quite new. So we are, in some ways, doing quite a bit of educating, Mm. um, which takes effort, costs money, rather than, you know, there's a, a category exists very well. You bring in a slightly better version of it. You sell to the same people with the similar messaging, but ours is better or cheaper or whatever. We don't, we don't have that. So that's kind of like a meta challenge for us is, is an education job. But what we're finding, and I think I can definitely, we can feel now, I mean, we've been around two and a half years in terms of from concept I've been in market for, Year and, year and a quarter or so, um, is that the, around us the market is is coming. I mean, the, I think one of the tricks of entrepreneur, entrepreneurship is not to be too early, and that mm-hmm. was a fear of mine
1: this time around, and it was a, a little bit starting to get that feeling. And we talk about being in survival mode. That is really where you're in survival mode all the time, right? Completely, completely. Yeah, But
0: there are significant signals, um, from business leaders, um, and people in the, in the wellbeing space who are now talking about and championing short forms and the research is we we've sort of, there's, we've, I mentioned the heart rate monitors and things like that. We've used that to test the pebbles and things like that, but it's not been largely broadcast by, I guess, um, sort of big established players in the game yet, um, but yesterday Arena Huffington put up a big post on 60-second mindset shift moments, using the word moments, and it's that kind of stuff. You see that out there, and we're just being blasted out into the world. And we have a real sense of that kind of ground swell. It's almost like a wave, right? <laughs> Paddling for a bit, wave hasn't come. We can feel that swell mm. starting to move. Mm. So that's from a meta side, that's it's, it's a major challenge. And I guess in the basic basic business lingo, it's a, it's a type of product market fit that, that, we, that we see. Um, Secondarily, we started as a pebble business. Yeah. Um, and it's actually the moment business and what wraps around it's it, the education mm. and what moments are and how to bring them into your life that this actually is what people buy. This is <laughs> what I was going to ask you it. about. Like,
1: yes, this is a pebble. For mm-hmm. people listening, I'm holding Alex's pebble. Um, that he's very kindly given me before. I didn't expect him to, but I have now a pebble which I'll use. Anyway, um, to the naked eye, it is a pebble. Mm-hmm. But where does this go? So there's there's
0: a kind of surface level uh, part to it, which is uh, it's it's a non-screen device. So we are separating people intentionally from the phone. Um, The moment itself that you take, we talk about being as a sacredly offline experience, that breathing we did at the start. You are breathing, you're holding something tangible, and that is allowing your nervous system to shift. So at the top level, you tap it three times. It takes you on a cardiac coherence breathing pattern that shifts your nervous system from stress to calm. And this is something that you can call on, you can do from a 30 second moment, the pebble will take you on up to a three minute 20 kind of moment. And, you know, our customers sort of say they go between usually 30 and a minute and a half, depending on, on what's needed. Now that's just, that's kind of the, when you open it up, and that's what it what it kind of does, I guess, as as kind of like as a as a device and a and a primary technology function. But it's much more layered than that, and that's when we get into things like it being something that you carry around that is embedded with meaning. Now, there's an area of psychology called attachment theory. Um, if you think about a kid with a teddy bear, um, we think when we get older that we don't need teddy bears anymore. But it turns out that we still require attachment. But as we get older, we realize that people are more and more fickle. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, Actually, physical devices and things like that can be really helpful to continue to carry that meaning. So this device acts in kind of NLP coaching world that I kind of come from. As an anchor, it's, a de- it, it's something that you carry with you that And this was a real dream of mine with a pebble, is that it's something that you give to someone or is bought for them or they buy for themselves. And instead of being like a car that depreciates in value the minute it comes off the lot, this is something that as you use it, it becomes more and more valuable to you as you build meaning into it, as it helps you get through difficult situations, as it's something you can just touch in your pocket, which enables you to trigger that sense of calm that you've had when you breathe. That's the crucial thing is that once you've breathed with it, say 10 times, again, you're mapping that nervous system state into your body. You're anchoring that feeling so that when you just see it on your desk or you feel it in your pocket, your body will recall those feelings. And again, so there's there's multiple layers to this very simple, which it is intentionally simple
1: device. Mm. It's fascinating. What piece of advice would you give, having been through burnout, having founded three companies really, Consultancy, Native Mm -hmm. Eye, now Moment Company, what piece of advice would you give to Alex starting out as an entrepreneur on this journey that means the most to you?
0: It would be follow your gut, follow your instincts, trust, trust that really quiet voice. It's something I'm 38 now. I think I'm, I think I'm only really just, I'm I'm still, I'm still getting there, definitely. And like these things, it's probably a lifelong thing, but I'd say now I listen to it much more than I don't. Whereas at that stage i wasn't really listening to it at all and it inherently it knows and there's something so i talked about freedom being my one of my my primary sort of it's it's a it's a kind of shimmering goal that i head for but also a way that i want to be at all times and the minute you trust your gut and you know what to do it's so freeing because you don't have to think about it anymore and you let your mind do all the analytic you might have a feeling about something and you think well I'm gonna go do that and then you work through it mentally and you think that's not a good idea that, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean you have to do everything your gut always tells you or that it but it does mean that the direction it's sending you is right for you it might not be right right in the sit in the situation or so on but you will feel better in yourself more if you listen to it again you don't have to act on it every time but do listen to it and what you will find the more you listen to it and the more you don't act on it and the more you do act on it (laughs) the more you act on it the better you feel and the happier you are
1: Mm.
0: and can i add a second one please do the second one is kind of is really new and my co-founder fiona um who is incredible has kind of brought this to my attention in maybe is no more than five weeks ago. And it's just resonated with me massively, which is you don't have to follow any rules. And I've just been following all these rules and they're bullshit. (laughs) There are no rules. Like do, think about how you want to do it and go and do it. And the minute this shift happened in my head again. I feel so much freer because oh, I want to do this. I'm going to have to go. Da, da, da. No, actually. So one of the things I've started doing um, in the last week is um, anyone who sends me a sales email, um, I reply, selling them back corporate moment company workshops. Thank you for getting in touch. We don't need a digital services right now. However, what we offer is da, 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 and you know, we help organizations um, reduce churn, uh, increase performance by keeping employees happy, happier employees, make better decisions, and stay longer at companies. Would you be interested in the workshop? Now... Before someone had said, follow the rules, it's a sort of simple, subtle thing, but it's a bit like, oh, someone sent me a sales email, they're selling to me. There's kind of a, something's happening here, and this is the way the traffic goes. And so, so I'm like, well, if I follow that rule, I'm just going to sell back. So now I've got, in, I've got inbound, outbound <laughs> sales stuff that's happening. And I know that's a small, maybe inconsequential thing but it's just shifted this rule thing has just shifted the way that I look at everything that comes to me and, and I combine it with let it be easy which is the rules have lots of steps like what's the fastest way to get there sorry I've gone into a bit of a ramble there but the, no, no, the no, rule one is, is really you know I that, love it
1: uh, that's really impacted me just now not in like a Oh God, that's so impactful, man. <laughs> but immediately what, what I came back to was me talking about like how to build an MVP and how like traditionally you get your customers. There is, what's talked about is a rule. And I, I, I'm i probably quite, well, I don't think, I, no, I'm, no, I go, I, I've tried to talk about going against that kind of MVP rule. Especially on LinkedIn, which is my most active platform, because I th- we raise money on a on a on a really t- like so basic like the MVP, but it was purely just to test what we what what I thought hypothesis was. Um, it started as a survey, then into a landing page, and then into like a really really shit application, which we <laughs> ultimately have binned and have spent the last probably seven months turning it into a a v1 like mvp2 v1 but what gets me all the time is this anxiety around not following the rules Mm -hmm. and it's this it's gut-wrenching really hurts but you know it's right that's what i tell myself i know this is right so i have to sit with the uncomfortable feelings and i have to get comfortable comfortable with the uncomfortable and that that is my biggest challenge actually, as a founder, is constantly being in this state of reminding myself it's okay to be comfortable with the uncomfortable because that is good. Um, But ultimately, not following the rules is probably the hardest thing to do in life, I would say.
0: Yeah. Just what comes to mind is there's a a distinction between breaking breaking all the rules. (laughs) I think you have to Play the game. Mm. Play the game for sure. That was something I realized a while back. Was that you, you have to be in the in the system to to win. But don't let the rules of the system define how you how you play your game. That's how I look at it. So it's about you know approach to. Fundraising is an interesting one. There are a lot of entrenched rules. Really interesting, and this is a whole rabbit hole we could go down there. But um, I'm
1: I'm kind of happy to go down it. Actually, I know we've done an hour and three minutes, but like this is a long form podcast. But equally, this kind of shit is so important to founders um, because everybody comes, <laughs> not everybody, I'd say ninety five percent of the market comes into being a founder, going, I need to raise capital. Yeah, and Sorry, you were going to say the the rules around fundraising.
0: Yeah, the rule. I mean, ultimately, you know, there's these sort of relatively set paths, as in one route is very early on find an angel or two,
1: which is what we did.
0: Bit of cash, then move to institutional money, Mm. get your first institutional investor on board, into the VC. Process and and off you go, and that's obviously uh, largely known as a one-way ticket, mm. um, and a bit of a just. I think within that, so we, I don't know. I'm not. I wouldn't say we've, we bro- we broke. We we sort of gone against any rules here, but w- we've decided that venture capital, as a, I'm talking broadly as a whole thing doesn't really match the values of our business. And I know there are B Corp VCs and there's a lot of change coming. There's an amazing uh, organization called Zebras Unite. I don't know if you've come across with them. We make zebra, no. we make zebras, not unicorns, because zebras are real. <laughs> um, and they are a fantastic, fantastic organization that's about building, supporting the building of sustainable mm. businesses, mm. both from funding, scaling Mm. to growth and they they are brilliant um and i just find myself gravitating much more towards that kind of ethos
1: so do i so do i i I think for me it's pressure Um, when you move into the realms of vc and it's it's an it's an area that we're looking at luna but um there's enormous pressure and I find I find the world of venture a bit of an enigma. You see it every day: people raising, TechCrunch going mad, sifted, making these amazing articles about how much you've raised, um, and then venture needs, I think, needs a real shift because it drives instability in in like in the mental health market, I think. Massively. Um, and actually, we're going to have a guy called Andy Johns later on who's one of the biggest investors in Silicon Valley, actually, um, who's going to join us. But he, he was saying there needs to be... I spoke to him on FaceTime the other week, last week, um, and uh, he, he was kind of saying... There needs to be a massive shift because like what we're doing now is kind of brave, right? There's, of course, people who've predated us with this conversation. Tom Blomfeld, Dan murray Sutter, who I'm a big fan of. Um, But what we're doing now is often frowned upon with raising money. Fuck, how can you show weakness? Like, no, you've got to be mentally on it. To build this fucking unicorn, and that is fundamentally not where most people sit. But that also means a shift in model, which is why I've I've um, I've never come across Zebiz Unite. But there's a couple of very very interesting VCs now who are verging, moving into the sustainable revenue. Um, we can have a mega impact, but just not raise five hundred million at a crazy valuation. There's a couple of companies recently I read in the Times yes, I'm a Times reader, sadly. <laughs> um uh, about Gorillas, the um on demand grossly yeah mm-hmm. delivery app and I was like, number one, how many fucking delivery apps do we need? <sighs> Mental. Um but they were like Gorillas has raised almost two billion to deliver groceries in under 10 minutes. Number one, who needs that when you live in London? How is that impactful? I don't want to shit all over Griller's because this that, that's not what I'm here to do. But the whole model of VC, whereby there are companies out there that have an enormous impact. But it it really bothers me because when the founder of Gorillaz was talking to the Times and talking about their latest fundraise, which was a billion. One billion. Wow. Yeah. He said, We're doing, we are raising this money so that we can be moved towards profitability. And I almost threw my phone <laughs> at the wall because where we're heading is as founders and entrepreneurs, we think, right, let's just raise as much capital as possible so that we can build and it doesn't matter what else, what else happens but that has an enormous impact on your mind on your on how you feel on the anxiety levels growth 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 yeah absolutely and
0: and to what life y- you will lead as a founder so a friend of mine is a uh, runs a venture backed business And very early on, I was quizzing him about funding Roots Forward. And the question he asked me was about what, you know, fundamentally, what life do I want to lead? What, what do I want this business to be to me? And, you know, look at my family. Have, have I, have I started one? Do I want to start one? At what point, because the traditional venture-backed business with traditional venture money squeezes you in certain ways and will create a certain lifestyle. And as long as you're going, I would say, my view is as long as you're going into that eyes open and that's what you want, that's great. But certainly in my and Fiona's case, <clears throat> It's not the type of business that we're looking to. Do. We want to grow a big and successful business, sustainable business, but not at kind of a forced breakneck pace. Um, it needs to it needs to be right for our customers, for us, for everything. Otherwise, we kind of undermine. <laughs> <laughs> what the business is all about.
1: Have you taken on capital with Moment? Yeah,
0: yeah, we yeah. have done. Yeah, we have uh, a number of very supportive angels, and by yeah. very supportive, I mean they support what we're out there to do. Mm. They, um, yeah, a fantastic group of people, um, and yeah, they're bought into what moments are rather than than, mm. than anything else, and, and us as founders, which mm.
1: often happens. Um, at that stage, we've done an hour and twelve minutes, and um, it's been an absolute. It's been a real, like obviously, it's a pleasure, but it's actually been genuine honour to sit and get vulnerable, which is obviously what this podcast is called. But we don't do it enough as founders. I
0: think we do it enough as people. No, as no, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, thank you for opening the door to me, but also for this podcast. I think. These types of conversations I hope will just I don't know if it's one, just for me, the truth is that we all have these feelings and we all Absolutely. Think, and and the very basic thing in my view is that in terms of my well being and we talk about sort of shift from burnout to here, a lot of it is just being open with myself and then open mm. outwardly. Mm with how things are because then i'm not holding on to them anymore they're no longer stuck and i think the more you can share as you have said with people at different life stages people different business levels and things like that the more we're going to realize that we're all and i think we said this off air we're all much more similar than we like to admit
1: we are no i am i just want people to like you said come on here and and be vulnerable and showcase that founders entrepreneurs investors can be vulnerable with their truths but also be just be vulnerable in general and that's okay because otherwise i don't know where we go and i think we can affect huge change
0: there's a real shift coming i believe in this you know vulnerability as a strength and the respect mm. And that people will, in in the long term, people will respect it much more. It's businesses like yours, like ours, that champion this stuff, that allow it to be up top. And we were at a Wellbeing Awards event um, a few weeks ago. Amazing being 500 people, the Troxy is absolutely brilliant. Um, but being around a bunch of people that champion this and just feeling that swell of that many people all living it I, I have so much more belief and hope for that that, it, that, it, that it's coming
1: beautiful end of the podcast alex strang thank you so much
0: thank you very much for having me